message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This actually is almost like a continuation of a message that um, I was sharing about two weeks ago. And that message was called, uh, The Gospel That Calls Forth a New Creation, uh, Let It Be. And in that message, we were looking at this beautiful passage in Genesis 2, where the animals are brought before, and all the creatures of the earth are brought before Adam, and he names them. And I want to bring you back to that this morning. So look at Genesis 2. And we're going to read verses 18 and 19. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Praise God. So the last time we looked at that message, there was something about that phrase that really struck me, had done for some time, you know, about Adam, whatever he called them, that was their name. And I said, actually, that this action of Adam was almost like a display that he was of the God kind, that he was of the kind that could speak to creation and call creation forth. Now, the Hebrew word there for called, it actually means to call out someone by name. It doesn't just mean that Adam made up the names. In a profound sense, he recognized the creatures. He recognized in them their part in the creation. He recognized God's purpose in them, and he called it out. And, you know, when we come together, as Stephen was sharing, in a, in a very profound way, you're never more yourself than when you're in the presence of the body of Christ. I'll say that again. You're never more. We sang this morning, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And then we sang the next line. I am loved by you. It's who I am. What I just want to share with you this morning is you won't know who you are until you're hearing who God is, until you're in the presence of God. The presence of God, even in his people, draw out of people their true identity. And we have been given the presence of God that we would speak that way to people, that we would call them forth. It's such a beautiful thing. There was always the call of God in our lives. In the words of Peter, the apostle Peter, he said that we were called to be partakers of the divine union partakers of the divine union, praise God. That's 2 Peter 1.4. And that word partaker is also translated as to share or to participate. So the Greek word actually means to be a companion of, to be a partner in, praise God. Now the reason I'm spending so much time on that word is that I'm coming to realize more and more as the years passes what a heavy burden was placed on my life really by honest Christian folk who spoke to me as if my calling was to work for God, to produce a Christian life. Now, if you forget everything else I'm going to say this morning, remember this. God is not calling you to produce a life. His call on us is to participate in the life already given, Christ. I'll say that again. God is not calling you and I to produce a life. His call on us is to participate in the life already given, Christ. So what we see here in Genesis is that Adam was not asked to produce the creation. He was asked to participate in the calling forth 
of that creation. You know, Mary was not asked by Gabriel to produce Christ. Isn't that beautiful? She was asked to participate in the calling forth of Christ, the bearing of Christ. So despite what you may have heard in church all your life, you and I are not being asked to produce the Christian life, but to participate, to share in the life already created in Christ, the new creation. And we can only do that by the Spirit. So at the ascension, yes, Jesus gives his disciples a list of things to do. Do you remember that? Go into the world, baptize, teach, etc. But what was the first thing on the list? Don't you move until the Spirit comes. Tarry in Jerusalem, okay? What's he saying? You're not going to do anything apart from my Spirit. I'm not asking you to work for me. I'm asking you to work with me, to participate, praise God. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. I'm not asking you to produce. I'm asking you to participate, to partner with me. And I'm coming to see that more and more, that a failure in the church to understand the difference between producing and participating is the reason why many of us as, as believers have such a shallow understanding of church, the church. When you think God is asking you to produce the Christian life, you come to regard the church as just another means to an end. Church is just something that will help me produce this life, produce a better life for God. It's just one of a range of tools in my toolbox to help me produce a better life, like praying more, or Bible reading, or giving, or sacrificial, or fasting, or church. It's just something I do to produce the Christian life. The purpose of the church is not to produce better individuals, but to invite people to participate in the life of God. Amen. And, wait for it, God's life has never been the life of an individual, but the life of a family. That's why when questioned as to how his words had creative power, Jesus answered in effect, because I do nothing on my own. I only participate in what I already see the Father saying and doing. Now, the Apostle Paul, he gave a similar explanation for his spirit-empowered life. Do you remember what he said? He said, it is no longer I. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, but it is Christ who lives in me. So can you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I don't do anything for God. We do everything with God. We, the church, the body of Christ, participate in the life of the Godhead, the divine union, by owing, only doing what seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Let me say it again. The purpose of the church is not to produce better individuals, but to invite people to participate in the life of God. And God's life has never been the life of an individual. It's always been the life of a family. You know, society actually breaks down when it simply becomes a collection of individuals. All right? Society works best when we see each other as family. So how do I know that the purpose of the church is not to produce better individuals? Because how can the purpose of the church be to produce a life that doesn't look like God's? God has never had the life of an individual. He has never done one thing by himself. Praise God. And that first creation was brought forth with the words, let us, not the words, let I. And then even then, in Genesis 2, as I've just seen, he invited man to participate in the calling forth of that creation. He brings forth also the new creation with the same words, let us. And once again, through the last Adam, this time through Christ, he invites the I into the us. 
He invites us to participate with him in the calling forth of this new creation by the Spirit. So if you look at Genesis 2 again, you can see that. Because in verse 19, it says that Adam was only able to call those animals by name because God first brought the creatures to him. It was God's Spirit that brought those creatures to him. Adam was participating in what God was already doing. Remember, still today, God's not calling you to produce a life. He's calling us to participate in the life already given, Christ. Now, why am I saying all this? What on earth has all this to do with preaching the gospel? What I want to show you this morning is that just like the calling forth of the old creation, the calling forth of the new creation, that's the salvation of men and women, is a work of the Spirit that we are invited to participate in by the power of the Spirit. How? God's Spirit will bring people to us and will enable us to recognize them by the Spirit, to see them by the Spirit, and speak to them after the Spirit. And the power of God's Spirit, spoken in that way, calls forth in them that life. And they will find in them, coming up in their, in their, in their hearts, the words, let it be. You see? Now, th this is a mystery, how this happens. But, but no man can say Jesus is Lord apart from that Spirit, apart from the work of the Spirit, praise God. God's Spirit will bring people to us, praise God, and we will address them according to God's view and opinion of them. We will find within themselves, they will find the capacity to believe and receive God's naming of them, his fatherhood of them. And on their lips, they will find these words, I believe, let it be done unto me according to your word. That's a work of the Spirit. You know, I've found in recent years, the more I've grown in this message of grace, I have found my capacity to accept that I am so much more than a sinner saved by grace. I'm a son empowered by grace. Amen. And there's a magnificent growing up into that. And let me say something about that. Um, you know, sometimes it's as if while I'm preaching, I find I have an absolute certainty about something I'm saying. In the Spirit, I know it's true, yet I can't yet articulate to you why it's true or how it's true. <laughs> it's like I'm speaking out of my spirit. I just know something is true. Let me give you an example of this. You know, Some time ago, I made this statement that I knew was true, but I couldn't explain how or why. Let me give it to you again. To preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit is to tell people who they are because Christ lives. Not who they could be if they live long enough and holy enough. Did you hear that? Now, what I can see more clearly now is that people are not saved because they, in their own strength, they alone made a decision for Christ. They're saved when, by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, they find within themselves the faith to accept Christ's decision for them. In the words of the Apostle Paul, no man can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. Let me make that statement in a different way. When the Spirit is with them, men can say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. When the Spirit is with them, men can say, Jesus is Lord. Now, if you don't believe me, let me put that another way, the way the Apostle John put it. This is John 1, 11 to 13, speaking of Jesus. John wrote this. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born... Not of natural descent, nor of human decision, praise God, or a husband's will, but born of God. So salvation is a work of God's Spirit that we do not produce by our decision for Christ, but participate in by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. 
by the Spirit, we participate in Christ's decision for us. Now, this is good news on so many levels. Our Christian life is not a matter of willpower, but of a will empowered by the Spirit of God. Your decision did not produce Christ's life in you. Your decision was a participation in the work of the Spirit to call forth the new creation. Adam was not asked to produce the creation. Was he? He was asked to participate in what had already been made. The new creation salvation is not brought forth by the words, let I, but the words, let us. For no man can say Jesus is Lord, but apart from the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So this salvation is one of participation, not production. So I can sum up all that this morning in one sentence. Only in the presence of God's Spirit can man see and hear who he really is. Oh. Now, if that's true, only God can tell you who you really are. And only men and women filled with the Spirit of God, men and women with God, can participate in such a calling forth such names. So to preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit is to see and speak to people after the Spirit, not after the flesh. You remember the disciple called Ananias in Damascus? who was busy praying to God about an evil man called Saul of Tarsus. So evil, he was killing Christians. Ananias was saying, in effect, let me tell you who this man is. And the Spirit interrupted him and said, no, let me tell you who he is. Praise God. Let me show you who he is. And so Ananias suddenly was a man with the Spirit. And when the Spirit spoke to Ananias, Ananias went and he spoke with God. And he spoke a word that called forth the new creation in Saul. One word. The first word out of Ananias' mouth. The word brother. Isn't that amazing? Now you can't speak that apart from the Holy Spirit. If without the Holy Spirit, you look at him as an evil man. No? Now this is, make no mistake about what I'm saying. A man must be born again. People must receive. But I'm saying how can they receive if they do not hear? Praise God. How can they come to believe? How could Saul of Tarsus have believed in his name if nobody had actually spoken his name? Now you might say, why didn't the Holy Spirit just speak? Why didn't Jesus on the road say that? Why did he go and get Ananias? Because it's the Father's desire that we participate. You see? That we participate in this beautiful work. Um, we'll come to that in a moment, praise God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You see, in those days, there was no other way to hear somebody's voice except to be in their presence. No phones, no megaphones. To hear somebody's voice, you had to be in their presence. So only in the presence of God, in the hearing of his voice, his name for you, can you know who you are and so experience the life God has always called you to. In the presence of God's Spirit, man can see and hear who he really is. Now, you might say to me, well then, Phelan, why don't we just pray that God sends his Spirit to Derry? And then everybody will hear who they are. Well, I hate to bust your bubble, but last Sunday was Pentecost. Can anybody remember what happened to Pentecost? God sent his spirit. That's right. And where did he send his spirit to? The church. Praise the Lord. This is a beautiful thing about participation. Apparently, God already sent his spirit and filled some people called the church. And here's the thing about participation. It's a two-way street. I said that God doesn't want us to do things for him, apart from him. In the same way, God doesn't want to do things for us, apart from us. Praise God. Now, I mean, when our children were very young, like the age of Ursina's little one, we had to do everything for them. 
didn't we? But what's our heart? What's our seeing? His heart as a parent. That there'll come a day when we don't have to do everything for them, but they will mature to a place of participating, praise God, in the life of family. It's such a beautiful thing. God wants us to mature past the point of seeing ourselves just as helpless sinners, saved by grace, just sitting around, waiting for God to do everything for us. He wants us, as our good, good Father, to grow up into our sonship, to more and more see ourselves as He sees us, sons of God, empowered by His grace, His Spirit, to participate with Him in the calling forth of the new creation. The purpose of the church is not to produce better individuals, but to invite people to participate in the life of God. And God's life has never been the life of an individual. It's always been the life of a family. So I believe, as I believe Stephen believes, and many of you believe, that there is something happening in the body of Christ. There is a maturing that is happening across the body of Christ as the gospel of grace is proclaimed. The revelation that I... That self who was trying to become holier in my own willpower, that self who was trying to produce a holier life, died. And the new self, created in true holiness and righteousness of God, is now with God in Christ. Praise God. That self is being called forth in the church. And as the gospel is preached across the church, believers are finding themselves believing to their shock that they're not apart from God. And they're finding themselves in God's presence. And the fruit of that is they're coming to hear and see who they really are. Because that's what a man hears and sees in the presence of God. His name, praise God. And I believe this is the beginning of the church's participation in a great harvest. For how could we see and hear and speak to people of who God says they are when we couldn't even see who we are? Can you see that? Oh my goodness, praise God. Now make no mistake... Men must receive the call of God in their lives. But the power of the Spirit that enables them to receive is carried to them when they're spoken to in light of God's work for them, not their work for Him. It's all about how we preach the gospel. The gospel preached in the power of the Spirit does not ask men to produce the Christian life, but invites and equips them to participate in the life already given, Christ. That's worth saying again. The gospel preached in the power of the Spirit, does not ask men to produce the Christian life, but invites them and equips them to participate in the life already given, Christ. Only the gospel of God's grace calls you and names you after Christ and his work, not you and yours. Oh, somebody say amen this morning. Any gospel that doesn't call you by the name reconciled is not speaking to you after Christ and his work, but you and yours. Any gospel that doesn't call you reconciled is not speaking to you after Christ and his work, but you and yours. Praise God. God is not asking you to reconcile yourself to him. According to 2 Corinthians 5.19, he already did that. He's not asking men to produce reconciliation, but to participate in the reconciliation already made by him, Christ. The Apostle Paul, you know, in knowing this, he determined to see all men after the Spirit. That's what he wrote, not after the flesh, and call them accordingly. So let me paraphrase to you what Paul was saying to the Corinthians in his letters, who, if you remember, were behaving like mere men. In effect, he told them, remember how I named you. Remember, I was determined, I was resolved when I was with you to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. 
concerning you. I know what you're up to. I know how far short you're falling of living, how God sees you to be. But I'm not going to name you after your behavior because there's no power in that gospel. For how are you to see yourselves after the Spirit if I only ever speak to you after the flesh? How are people to see themselves after the Spirit if they're only ever spoken to after the flesh? So despite the fact that you're living in immorality and division and living just like the world around you, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to name you after your works. I'm going to continue to name you as I first named you after Christ's work. You have been reconciled to God and your sins are no longer being held against you. So I implore you on Christ's behalf, be who God declares you to be. Be reconciled. Be. Not do. Be reconciled. Be who God declares you to be. I'm not saying to you, if you clean up your act, one day you could be the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, no, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you see what those words do? They call forth in you the new creation. That's the experience you had as a child when your parents, your mother, your father spoke over you. And even on your worst day, they never changed their mind about who you were. They kept calling you forth as their precious love child. And you grew up into that. Some more than others. Because our parents, uh, by the grace of God, they weren't everything they could be. We're not everything we could be as parents. But my God, the Holy Father in heaven, he's a good parent. And when he speaks to you, he speaks as he sees you to be. Not how you're behaving. Praise God. It makes all the difference in the world. How are you supposed to see yourselves after the Spirit? If he only speaks to you after the flesh. So Paul continued to speak to people as the Spirit led him to speak to them. Because he knew from his own lifetime of religious striving that doing better doesn't change you. Believing better does. Did you get that? You can't believe anything better than what God believes about you. You can't believe anything better than what God believes about you. Transformation doesn't come from doing better. It comes from believing better. So hear the gospel. To proclaim the gospel in the power of the Spirit is to call people according to Christ's life, not theirs. His work, not theirs. To proclaim the gospel in the power of the Spirit is to declare to people who they are because He lives, not who they could be if they live holy enough for long enough. And despite the impression you were given by the way the gospel was communicated to you, you were not saved by how well you prayed the prayer, or how well you turned from your old sins, or how well you threw yourself into coming to church and learning all the doctrines of the church. You were saved by Christ and his work, not you and yours. Or as Paul put to the Galatians, how foolish can you be after starting new lives in the Spirit that you would now try and complete that in the flesh? When you're not told that when you have been started in your Christian walk, when you're not told this, when you started in your Christian walk and you started with the idea that God responded to your repentance rather than understanding that your very repentance was only possible by the gift of his spirit, then you may well find your Christian walk as one of repeatedly attempting to repent again and again, to somehow repent well enough to attract God's spirit back and his presence back the way it was at first. Well, Hear the truth and be free. God's Spirit never drew back because of your performance because he never came in the first place because of your performance. Did you get that? Rather, we are the ones who have drawn back from his grace, in the words of the Apostle Paul, estranged ourselves from the grace of God every time we try to justify ourselves by our morality, our moral performance. 
The gospel of grace says, don't think like that. Don't think of yourself as a self trying to get closer to God. Don't think like the world thinks, or you will live like them, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance in them about the reconciliation Christ has brought. Instead, hear the gospel again and be renewed in the spirit of your mind to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created. Has been created in righteousness and true holiness. Praise God. Okay, let me finish. Do you know why Jesus said those words, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? You know, because he knew that trying to make a life for ourselves, trying to make a name for yourself, trying to produce a Christian life will kill you. It will crush you. It will crush you, you know. Trying to make a name for yourself, you'll end up making a name based on the opinions of people. The opinions of people around you. That's the way the mind works, you know. You only think you, you are who you are because of the opinions of people around you. Specifically when you're younger, the opinions of your parents, you know. To go around and try and make a life by gathering up people's opinions is like having to build something and produce the bricks yourself. Even gather the straw, people's opinions, to make the bricks to build your life. Wow, that's God's definition of slavery, wasn't it? In Exodus, to go around and actually to produce your bricks and even go and get the straw yourself. Here's the best news in the world. God doesn't name you after a straw pole of your friends. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my goodness, you know. And I'm finding in my life and in your life the spur of prophecy and operation. I find myself knowing things that I could not know by the natural, you know. And that's the rising up in me of what who's already always been there. Stir up the gift that's within you, Paul wrote to Timothy. You know, stop waiting for God to do something. You've been given everything you need in Christ. Now get around people and encourage each other and stir up that gift. Let it come forth. Let the testimony of Jesus come forth. Heard enough about you and what you're doing for him. Now let the testimony of Jesus, the gospel of God's grace, rise up in your mouth. Praise God. And out of that testimony, you find yourself overcoming the world and this opinion of you and living by the opinion of people. I have spent enough years believing what people about, believe about me. Now I want to believe what God believes about me. How about you? I have spent enough years believing what people believe about me. Now I want to believe what God believes about me. The gospel is the proclamation of what God believes about you and me and every person will ever meet. And this good news, because the gospel preached in the power of the Spirit does not ask men to produce the Christian life, but invites them and equips them to participate in the life already given, Christ. Praise God. Let's pray. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, bless you.